Do you like weekends as much as myself, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick? Good. Because <laughs> this is the sound of the start of the next one. The NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair. This show is me and George making our betting picks ahead of an EFL weekend. A full slate. As such, it is for over-18s only. And we ask that everyone listening and thinking of having a bet this weekend, please be gamble aware. That means, among other things, never betting more than you can afford to lose, never chasing your losses. Uh, there's a lot of other aspects to responsible gambling. Head to begambleaware.org to brush up on them. We've had a, in one sense, very good start to the season, landing the BTTS Acker, not last week, but the one before. In another sense, quite a poor one. Uh, last week, for me... 0 from 4, my individual picks. Wimbledon had the lead against Forest Green, my nap. Uh, threw it away, 15 minutes to go. Thanks, Troy Deeney. Uh, <laughs> my next best, Cambridge draw no bet away at Leighton Orient. They lost 2-0. Shane Lavery, anytime came off injured after 20 minutes with a pulled hamstring. <laughs> and Jay Rich Bagaloo did not bag for me uh, against Salford. As for George, uh, Bristol Rovers uh, did not do the business at home to Wickham. Cardiff, 98th minute penalty. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, Joel Randall, anytime. No. Swindon and Crawley, BTTS, yes. Just, not quite. Just an unbelievable loser that one, isn't it? 6-0 Swindon. <laughs> um, if only Crawley had scored a seven, then that would have won. They had such a big chance at 0-0 as well. I know, well. Orsi. Let's replay that game again, see what happens if yes. Orsi slots home. Um, George, uh, let's do better this week. What's your best bet? What's the nap this weekend in the EFL? My nap is Sunderland draw no bet um, in the championship and they host Southampton in what is possibly quite a spicy game. Um, oh, may- yeah? Well, yeah. Have, have you not been following? I know you hate transfers, but have you been following the recent news? I don't hate transfers. So currently Southampton are trying to buy Ross Stewart, ah. who is injured. Mm. And if it seems from local journalists, both in Sunderland and Southampton, it seems quite likely to happen. Obviously, he can't play a part in this because he's injured. He could, but it would be highly dangerous for his damaged Achilles. Correct. Um, just kind of flapping around, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be yeah. unlikely to score. But there's also been talk. Now, we're recording this at about three o'clock on Thursday afternoon, so this could age very well or very badly. But there's suddenly been talk as well amongst local journalists that Patrick Roberts is another one who might be going to Southampton too. So, Sunderland fans probably not best pleased with Saints at the moment um, in terms of trying to steal their players. And whilst those signings may improve Southampton in time, the main thinking here is that we've got one bit of form, I would say, to go on with this current Southampton team. A Southampton team... Without Shea Adams, who still hasn't left the club, but I find it very hard to believe that he's, A, not going to leave by the end of uh, the window on Friday night. And B, even if he doesn't leave, I, I kind of can't really see him just being brought straight back into the starting lineup, having been out of the squad entirely last week. One game without Shea Adams. Um, we've also seen um, James Ward-Prowse obviously leave earlier on in the window, but Nathan Teller is probably the biggest one, you know, a player who anyone who watched Southampton against Plymouth Argyle or watched Southampton against Sheffield Wednesday would have seen that the, the very possession-heavy style that Russell Martin employs, Teller offered an out, like offered an out ball on the right-hand side. And even, you know, giving the ball to Nathan Teller in that area, 25 yards from goal, was still basically creating a goal-scoring opportunity because he's so good at coming onto the left foot and shooting across goal. And it was a way to break down a low block. Like, they're massive players to lose. Carl Walker-Peters still currently at the club, but another one who's been linked to a move away. Will he be there on Saturday? We don't know. Mason Holgate is the one who's come in right now. Flynn Downs as well. Um, but I think they've missed Smallbone in the middle of the park with Shea Charles definitely not being 
in any way a similar mould. Like he looks pretty solid defensively, but in terms of being that metronomic passer that we saw Matt Grimes uh, do a job as before we saw Smallburn at the beginning of the season. I'm not sure Charles quite does that. Alcaraz is a player that obviously Saints fans absolutely love, but I think apart from a couple of flashes of, of quality, he's disappointed so far this season. And the one game that where this team played last weekend against QPR, they beat QPR 2-1 at home, but I think they were very lucky to get three points. And I think QPR had a shout to get at least a point and possibly even all three. I think QPR were probably the better team on the day. And that's a QPR side who remain one of the favourites for relegation. So I think Saints have, have kind of flattered to deceive all season, to be honest. They scored very late against Wednesday on opening day. They scored incredibly late against Norwich in the four-all draw to equalise. They scored late against Plymouth Argyle. Like, you basically take away their late goals and things are looking very, very awkward for Russell Martin early on. And I think that is maybe a fair reflection on the performances so far this season. For Sunderland, it's kind of the other way around where I think they've, they've been better than their results. You know, they, they were probably second best at Coventry last weekend in a nil-nil draw, which is a fairly good result. They came from 1-0 behind against Rotherham to win 2-1. They are massively lacking a striker. I, I don't deny that for one second. But for for Southampton to be 11-10 to 10 to beat them, and sorry, 6-5 to five to beat them, which has drifted a bit as the week's gone on, I think is, away from home, is a, a massive oversight to where Southampton actually are right now. Like I, I don't think Southampton are anywhere near even where, what their starting line-up was on opening day, where they squeezed past Wednesday. And Sunderland at home, yes, the home form wasn't great last season, but I think it should be sub 2-1 to one at the very least. I'm going to have the draw no bet here because um, at the prices, I just think at 6-5, to five, you're, you're getting enough um, juice in the draw no bet market to, to make that worthwhile. A draw is, is obviously quite a big runner here, especially with Sunderland's um, issues in terms, of, in terms of, of goal scoring with no striker. But um, yeah, should be a bit of spice to this one. I think Sunderland are, are being misrepresented in the market and that is my nap. My nap. Welcome to the betting show, Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham on the betting show. Just trying to get as many of those title references into my answer for SEO purposes. Uh, I'm going to back Wrexham to beat Tranmere at 11 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook in League Two this weekend. Uh, a Wrexham team that came up from the National League installed as favourites for the League Two title for a multitude of reasons, uh, some of them probably deflected from uh, what the reality was, but even if you even if you ignore all the hype and all the noise and all the TV stuff and all the social media followers uh, and all the fame and all the excitement uh, and the global appeal, uh, they were an unbelievable football team in the National League. So their favouritism was probably slightly overplayed, in our opinion anyway. We picked them fifth in our 1-24s. Uh, having said that, uh, they were an unbelievable football team uh, last year. And this season, well, they've well. won one of their five League Two games, which isn't a great return. They've lost one and they've drawn three. And that's, for me, a really interesting uh, place for a team to be after five games. We've got, at this point, a little bit more uh, data each week, a little bit more evidence, a little bit more to go at. And I have decided that my opinion on Wrexham is... They are damn good, and I think they are going to put together a serious run at some point. At the moment, it's been, you know, the the worst parts of Wrexham so far this season have been uh, two games in particular where defensively they looked all at sea when defending against uh, uh, attacking transitions. MK Dons on opening day scored five goals. A lot of those goals came right at the start of the game. 
in fairness, they were there were a lot of shots from outside the box that just found the corner, either really good finishes, maybe ones that you'd want your keeper to get a little bit closer to. Then they drew five all with Swindon in a game where their defence again looked all at sea. You look back at it a couple of weeks later, you're like, yeah, Swindon had eight shots in the game. They had six on target. Five of them went in. It's stuff that does not happen consistently in football matches. If there is a team who are conceding that level of goals, uh, well, that, that amount of goals from that amount of shots, the, the, the obvious logic is that at some point, particularly when the former goalkeeper is now retired from football and they've got Mark Howard in, who's probably a safer pair of hands at this point, is that that level of of giving up goals won't continue. And if you look at the games themselves, Wrexham are dominating them for the most part. Last week was a really impressive performance at Barrow. Uh, At 0-0, they were the better side, dominating in particular some incredible long passing from the back. Tozer and O'Connell, some good movement up front. They were causing Barrow problems and they got ahead. A little spell for Barrow after half time got level. And this is the thing about Wrexham. They just haven't quite put it together yet for 90 minutes. So the lax moments here and there are are just kind of knocking the stuffing out of them at the moment. But I still think the dominance is there. That Swindon game, of course, they were 4-1 down at half time. They won the second half 4-1. They were all over them. Uh, They beat Walsall 4-2 in what was, you know, their one sort of solid win so far. I'm just confident they're a, they're a much better football team than results are suggesting and a much better football team, crucially, than Tramir Rovers. And even though they're away from home, I think they'll still dominate this game. For Tramir, they're also five games in with one with one win and it was against a pretty poor Harrogate team. Um, not a great sign. You know, we talked on the Monday pod, Harrogate, five games in. They haven't scored a goal from open play yet. I think it's two from the spot, one from an f- indirect free kick and, and one from a direct free kick. Losing to that Harrogate team is a result that hasn't aged very well for Tranmere. And in all of their other games, they've lost them. So they lost to Barrow on opening day. Decent performance, unfortunate. MK Dons, the one after. Then Salford, then Notts County. And I I think the performance against Notts County was somewhat concerning. They just couldn't hang with Notts. Uh, And I think, you know, we can put Wrexham in a similar bracket to Notts County. Albeit they don't have quite the technical quality in possession, but they have got... Uh, much more of a direct threat, and I think Tramir will struggle with that. Then there's the fact Tramir played uh, at home to Leicester uh, in midweek, and they basically spent the game just chasing the ball. Leicester two, 760 passes, two 0 to Leicester. Um, they've just run. They've just had a run around there. Um, Knots similarly knocked them off the park last weekend. I think they'll be uh, tired here. Um, <laughs> in preseason, I said I don't think Tramir's squad looks great to me. Uh, I don't think there's much X factor in it. Uh, I don't think there's enough pace or strength and I haven't seen anything in particular so far uh, this season that definitively proves that wrong. Uh, And big and strong Wrexham come to town with their deep squad um, and it's time their dominance translates into win. So Wrexham, my nap, I think there's a big golfing class between the two teams despite the fact they've both only won one game so far this season. Uh, 11 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook for Wrexham to win. My next best is in Leeds against um, Sheffield Wednesday. Nice. Leeds are two to five of the Betfair Sportsbook to win this game, uh, which isn't my tip. But I, I kind of have to find a way here somehow to get with them because I think Leeds are about to be really good. I, I've got to be honest. I won 24s. I pushed hard for Leeds to be first. A week into the season, I was really regretting that pick. I'm now feeling quite good about it. Just because of one win against Ipswich? That's an overreaction. No, because of the squad. Because uh... of the squad they are building where, you know, I, I part of the reasoning for that was that we had in Willie Nonto and Luis Sinistiera to ideally 
you know, you would think two of the best attacking players in the league who fit that kind of young profile who tend to flourish in the championship. Like I would argue it's normally players who are a bit older who are on their way down the pyramid who sometimes struggle to replicate the kind of form you would anticipate they would do when they come down a level. I think for Nonto and Sinistiera, a season at the championship level is probably the best thing for their development. And them staying, Joel Peru coming in, who is a, a brilliant player for the way that Farquhar wants to play. Like it's, it's looked like a bit of a four-two-three-one, but shifting now into a four uh, into a four-four-two or maybe more like a four-two-four to be honest, in the way that they set up him alongside Rutter with possibly another striker coming in, and we saw that front four go to Ipswich. Ipswich had played seventeen games at home without losing, who conceded very very few goals in that time. And they put four past them and all four of those players scored. Like That is indicative to me of what we're going to see from Daniel Farker, who is an absolute genius at championship level of getting teams with better players to dominate against the opposition and score a lot of goals. And that's what I think we're going to see. Glenn Kamara is coming in um, today. I don't think any of this really matters in terms of Saturday's game. I think it'll probably be Gray and, and Ampadu as it has been. Uh, Jed Spence on the right-hand side at right-back, though, is obviously a massive step up. If he replicates the kind of form we saw a couple of seasons ago, then he's going to be a huge player for them. Um, ideally I think they would want to sign a left back especially with Sam Byram going off injured but this is now in my mind as good a, t- a squad as we've seen in the championship like I think they've raced past Southampton in terms of the, the best squads from teams that have been relegated given the players that Southampton have lost and I've argued I've probably argued that with a couple of additions they're going to go past Leicester as well in terms of the actual personnel so that's exciting we've seen it happen on the pitch already without scoring four goals at Ipswich and now they host Sheffield Wednesday who have no points from their first four games under Cisco Munoz who've played two away games this season they conceded four against Hull they conceded two against Cardiff in that 2-1 defeat things not going to plan whatsoever they were better in midweek against Mansfield but Mansfield managed to equalise in that tie and draw the game one all this is a total disaster, I think, for Cisco, to be honest, to go down the road to a, a local rival who look in way better shape than they were in, who I don't think will have any problem creating chances. Even in the, the, the penalty defeat to Salford in midweek, Leeds created so many opportunities. It was just the finishing that, that let them down and an inspired performance by Alex Cairns in, in between the sticks. They're 15-8 to eight to score three or more goals so over two and a half home team goals and that is my next best I'm probably going to play the over three and a half at 11 to two as well um, but leads to, to rack them up like with the team they're going to put out I think it could be a long day for Wednesday fans so for my next best there's actually quite a lot that I like to cross the docket this weekend uh, lovely Cambridge Reading is is live on Sky on Monday night. Mm, and MNF. We've been talking about... Cara, Nev, Dave, all in the studio. <laughs> we've been talking about backing Cambridge at home. Uh, they're 13 to 10. That was almost my next best. I was quite keen to find a way to get with Peterborough in some way. Uh, they're quite a juicy price, I think, at, uh, at uh, Portsmouth this weekend. But in the end, I just couldn't look past backing Barrow at 9 to 5 away at Harrogate. Uh, a Harrogate team, I have to say, who lost 8-0... Uh, Wednesday night against Blackburn in the Carabao Cup, uh, a game in which they were just punched in the face over and over and over. There was some great movement and interplay from Blackburn Rovers' second string and and academy players, uh, and Harrogate couldn't handle it. Uh, Now, Weaver made a lot of changes there. It wasn't Harrogate's first team, far from it. A whole new back line. I doubt any of them will be starting this league game off the back of that, Um, similar with the, the midfield changes that he made. They couldn't handle Blackburn. This pick isn't down to Wednesday night. All season, there have been reasons to oppose uh, Harrogate. You've laid it out a few times on the Monday pod. Uh, on opening weekend, they beat Doncaster, a good result on paper, with a, a breakaway penalty, a game that 
you know, where they they really rode their luck at times. Last week, their second win of the season was against Morecambe. Uh, they got a penalty in the first half and scored a direct free kick in the second half. Morecambe away from home. No great shakes. I, I don't upgrade them hugely for either of those wins. And it's the other games that have been somewhat concerning. Against Harrogate, sorry, against Accrington, they were second best by miles on the day. They, they got level uh, after Aki went down to 10 men, um, but Accrington with 10 men scored the winner in injury time and had been all over Harrogate for most of that game at 0-0 and at 1-0. They lost to Forest Green at home, uh, second best in that game, a Forest Green team that, that haven't looked particularly good in League Two yet this season. And they lost to Tranmere away 3-0. Uh, as discussed just now, Tranmere's only win of the season so far, Harrogate showing a lot of poor defending and you know the, the only team so far that have made Tranmere look really good. So... Not particularly keen on Harrogate at the moment. There's also a good chance that Luke Armstrong, who's their best player now that Alex Patterson has gone, don't think any of their new signings have stepped up to a massive extent so far. Uh, Luke Armstrong's their talisman up front, puts in a ton of work, both in terms of scoring, but also in terms of his hold-up play and his aerial ability. Uh, He's been under such intense transfer speculation that I'd be surprised if he's playing for Harrogate this Saturday. So a lot of reasons not to be that keen on on Harrogate. I think the reason Barrow is such a chunky price is that backing them, it's hard to justify if you're an underlying numbers guy. Barrow's numbers haven't been great. I think that's probably likely to help the price stay pretty chunky because, you know, the bookies use the XG numbers uh, heavily to set their prices at the moment. So um, the, the edge of knowing which team's got good underlying numbers but aren't backing them up with results, it's not really the edge anymore, right? So Barrow's open play XG is the worst in the league per Opter analyst, though they have scored six goals in five games. It's been mainly down to good finishing rather than uh, you know consistent chance creation. Emile Aqua is finishing very well with three goals from his from five shots so far. Um, I'm excited that Dom Telford may come in here and start hopefully up front with Aqua. I think that could be a really interesting partnership on paper. Aqua is, is a, a, a striker with great physicality who occupies defenders and hopefully that can create space for Telford who has shown himself to be a really quality operator and we know can get into incredible finishing streaks as well. The big thing for me is Barrow have had all week to prepare for this game, uh, whereas Tranmere, as discussed, sorry, whereas Harrogate, as discussed, were chasing Blackburn around on Wednesday night. Pete Wilde is a manager that I rate so highly in terms of how he sets his teams up, always seems to have a good game plan for the situation, uh, and I think they're just a more serious team than Harrogate, a team that can manage this game well with more time to prepare from it. So... When they win Barrow, it's generally because they execute a good game plan. And if they get ahead, they do tend to defend their leads leads pretty well. They're very good out of possession. So while their attacking threat hasn't been great, Harrogate are poor enough at defending that I do think Barrow can get Barrow can get ahead. And if they do, uh, I do think that they'll keep that lead. So Barrow's my next best. That's a nine to five with the Betfair Sportsbook. A good time to mention the match odds 90, which could be uh, something that you're interested in this weekend. This is a big offer from Betfair this season. Uh, any markets with the 90 icon on the app, uh, look out for them. What it means is if you bet on the match odds 90 market, you get paid out if your team is winning when the clock hits 90 point zero zero uh no matter what happens in added time even if your team concedes an equalizer you'll be paid out as a winner as long as they're leading when the clock hits 90 equally if you back a team and they're drawing and they score an injury time winner that is a winning bet as well you can build Ackers with match odds match odds 90 as well uh, make sure you read the t's and c's to understand exactly what the offer is the match odds 90 offer from betfair goal scorer george 
Josh Andrews to score any time for Accrington Stanley at Notts County at 16 to 5. And this falls into exactly the same category as the selection a couple of weeks ago where I, I put up um, Danny Johnson at Wrexham. Basically, the idea being that Accrington are... They didn't win that bet, just to say. Uh, <laughs> Accrington are... Um, but, it's but, exactly the same reasoning as that losing well, bet the other day. I was going to say, because basically the reasoning is here is that Notts County are very short, right? They're, they're a short price to win the game. They're four to seven, I think they are. And Josh and, Andrews is very tall, and, about six foot seven. Yeah. Baby Ziggich, they called what's him. What's that up. got to do with anything? Well, he said Notts were short. Right, yeah, very good. He'll exploit that. Yes. Must do. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> Properly so, throwing you off there. Short price, I meant. Four to seven. Um, and that means that the Accrington players are a big price to score a goal because they're a big price to win the game. However, Notts County, um, like Wrexham, especially at home, have games where there are loads of goals and they've conceded goals in both of their games so far at home this season. They've won them both. Um, they conceded two against Grimsby and I think the other one they won 4-1, did they? Um, so Notts County's you know, the, the, the mechanism for picking up points isn't a solid defensive base and then try and score goals. It is literally, we are going to attack and we are going to score loads of goals and we might concede some and that's absolutely fine. And I think that kind of fits into Accrington here, who've been really good so far this season. They've, they've been very good going forward. Again, a little bit porous at the back. They've only kept one clean sheet, which was an opening day. But I think they will cause Notts County some problems, especially because there is a stylistic thing here where Notts County are very heavily ball-playing heavily possession based and in uh, Josh Andrews Accrington have a striker who is absolutely massive um, he scored one goal so far this season from an XG of just under three um, he, this goal he did score last weekend was a tap in from a yard out so getting into those positions is quite handy <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you, you know if you take that out he's still massively underperforming where he should be like he leads the line for them he'll play up front um, so I think Notts County are probably valued to win it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Accrington were able to score one or, or maybe even two goals in the game and still come away on the on the losing side of things. And therefore, Andrews at sixteen to five seems a slice of value to me to to get on the score sheet. No spoilers, but if you've just said all of that and Notts Accrington isn't in the BTTS sixfold, I'll it be is. disappointed. It is no spoilers. All oh, right, it isn't. No, I've said both now. People that consume content hate spoilers. Well, you shouldn't have said anything. You, you know the sixfold, so by saying it, yeah. My goal scorer is Elliot Lee, plays for Wrexham. 16-5 to with the Betfair Sportsbook, so that's 4.2 in the decimal. Uh, they are famously away to Tranmere. They are my nap uh, in the betting show this weekend. I fancy Wrexham to beat Tranmere and exert their dominance. And the only thing I can see undermining them is if they continue to be like weirdly wobbly at the back, but I don't see why that has to continue for much longer. Uh, Regardless, I'm pretty confident that they'll have plenty of opportunities to score. Now, uh, Palmer, their main striker, is short enough, really, with the Betfair Sportsbook. Bickerstaff uh, is worth a look, but they've also signed Brandon Hanlon, and maybe he gets chucked straight in. The one that I'm pretty sure on is Elliot Lee, and it's a price I really, really like. Lee plays uh, central midfield, really, as a really attacking number eight in their sort of 3-1-4-2 system. Uh, he makes the run to support behind the two strikers. He's got license to get into the box. Uh, and he is a, a genuine goal threat and has been for quite a while. Lee. He's a quality, quality player. He shouldn't have been playing in the National League last season. You know, if the, if the pyramid hadn't been somewhat disrupted by Wrexham, among others, uh, then Elliot Lee would not be playing in the fifth tier of English football because he's got more quality than that and he's showing it this season. Uh, he's had the most touches in the box of any non-striker in League One. So if you take out all the strikers, Lee's the one that's getting on the ball in the box most, apart from, bizarrely, Aidan Flint. 
who's obviously just winning first contact on absolutely everything for Mansfield. Uh, and he's had 18 shots in five games, Elliot Lee, and he has scored five goals in five games. So I think the 4.2 is very generous for a player that is literally scoring goals for a very good team who are pretty short to win the game. He's on penalties as well. He's already scored two pens this season. Uh, Wrexham have won a penalty in each of the last two games. Not going to win one every game, but it doesn't hurt to be on the goal scorer any time. In League Two, in his career... Elliot Lee has scored 18 goals in 2,678 minutes, which wow. is the equivalent of 30 90s. Yeah. So 18 goals in 30 90s. That's amazing. And last season in the National League, 12 in 35 90s. So he is a goal scoring attacking midfielder. I like Wrexham to win. Elliot Lee to score as well. 16 to 5, my goal scorer. What about a long shot? Going to my tried and tested Oxford um, for a long <laughs> shot um, with. A goal scorer pick following Ali with the centre-back goal scorer. And I'm going for Stefan Negru, who is a player that many of you won't know much about. He is a very interesting profile where he was signed from Shelbourne um, a year or so ago. A centre-back who's now 21 years of age and is playing basically because Jordan Thornley got injured after two games this season. But he's not going to lose his place now because he's been an absolute revelation in the heart of the the defence for Oxford. Um, a proper old school centre back. It says on his Wikipedia page that he um, he he uh, models his game on John Terry's, <laughs> and I can kind of see it. Where he, like it's so refreshing to see a young centre back that wants to throw his head at yeah, everything he sees. He absolutely loves defending, and I think he can play a little bit more than he's given. Like some of the ba- some of the way that people are talking about him at the moment is like this guy cannot play football he just heads it and he kicks it like he's, he's all right on the ball but he's a proper old school center back but recently he's been getting into some really good goal scoring positions um he's 19 to 1 to score any time for an oxford team that are 8 to 11 at home to port vale so um and a port vale side who let's remember despite their very very good start to the season have also been beaten 7 nil away from home so maybe if things don't start going well there's a chance here that there'll be a side who's um there might be a trait here that when they go behind, they they, they ship a few. Um, but 19 to 1 is a massive price for a guy who, who is basically destined to score fairly soon. Uh, he's His XG so far is about 0.7 over the course of the season, yet to score. But in our last game at home against Charlton, he had loads of opportunities. It, it is just a matter of time. Um, frustratingly, it was a matter of time with Aaron Cashin a couple of weeks ago. Who I put up to score. He didn't score. He scored the next week and he's now 10 to 1 to score any time, which is annoying because Peterborough's set piece, sorry, Bolton's set piece defending is not very strong this season so far. So I'd have liked to put him up again, um, but the price is gone. But in Negru, this is one of those where I'm pretty confident if you're getting 19, 18 to 1 every week and you back him for the next, I'm even going to say five or six, it's going to cop at some stage. Yeah, I like that. Is there anything more annoying? Well, Yes, is the answer. Stupid way of framing this. But you know what's really annoying is when your CB goal scorer scores one or two weeks after you've put them up on the betting show. And you're, and you're not on. We've discussed okay. before that there's definitely a limit to how many times in a row we can pick guys without it just getting incredibly boring and repetitive. But it's like the sort of adult equivalent of stepping on a Lego when you're a kid. Um, so we can probably expect Jay Rich Bagaloo to score <laughs> for Accrington at some point. Big Bagaloo did not do the business for me last week. Um, you may remember that my reasoning was to do with Salford, who are disastrous at defending set plays. And even though Bagaloo didn't have a shot, didn't go close in the game, it didn't mean it wasn't almost good research because Accrington had eight shots from corners or indirect free kicks. 
generated more than one XG from corners and indirect free kicks. So Salford not exactly closing up that vulnerability. So I therefore want to keep going with this stance of CBs against Salford. That leads me to Morecambe. I've really got the bit between my teeth. Uh, Morecambe's Jacob Badeau is 60-1. to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, I'm putting half a point each way on him to score first at 60 to 1. And firstly, I've got to get this off my chest. I always want to say Jacob Badeau in an Australian accent. Do it now. But I have no idea why. Do it now. I don't know if it's something to do with Richie Benno. Just, can you say his name in an Aussie accent, please? Jacob Badeau. How does it feel? Really good. There you go. Jacob Badeau uh, and his centre-back partner, Farron Rawson, have played every minute so far this season. So I was looking at one or both of Didn't those. did Rawson get sent off? But Rawson got sent off and is suspended. He hasn't here. played every minute. So Stokes <laughs> will come in. They've played a lot of minutes together. Yes. Badeau and Rawson. But Rawson's suspended. <gasps> and Chris Stokes will come in. Now, Chris Stokes is 18-1 to 1 to score first. Badeau, 60-1. to 1. Um Badeau's got 65% aerial win percentage, which is pretty good. Um, 62% in League One last season. So he's not Farron Rawson. He's not the one throwing his head at everything. But he's certainly not terrible in the air, and he's very tall. The catch here is the reason Jacob Badeau is such a long price is because last season he was just not a threat whatsoever from set-piece situations. He scored two in 40-odd games for Scunthorpe. He has scored none in 65 for Morecambe. I, I, I actually I thought this must be wrong, but it wasn't. Verified with three data sources. Last season, he started 37 games for Morecambe. He had one shot. Good J- shot. Jacob Badeau. Uh, not a good shot off the target. And I'm just... Off the target. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> what the hell is he doing last yeah. season? Like, he's a strapping lad. He's pretty tall. I think you have to try quite hard to trot up for corners for a whole season and only have one shot in 37 games. So... I'm telling myself maybe he was the blocker for Rawson because uh, Rawson had over 20 shots in a similar amount of minutes. Um, anyway, the good news is this season, Badeau has had two whole shots already. He's already doubled his tally from last season. Uh, one of them was from 20 yards. Uh, decent strike, actually. went wide. Uh, and then the big one against Bradford, Badeau leapt like a salmon, free header, five yards out, hit his shoulder and went backwards. No. So... Maybe I'm going mad, and increasingly, as I continue talking, I think I am. But remember, Salford are really bad at defending set plays. Badeau is the tallest of the Morecambe players, and at 60-1, to 1, even if he doesn't really want to score, I think there's a chance that he will. Uh, so half a point each way, 60-1. to 1 is Have you gone way. back and watched his goals for Scunthorpe just to see if he actually can physically, you know, do they come off his arse? Uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't verified the goals. Um, the long shot uh, is in the bank. Good time to mention our Substack newsletter, The Long Shot, which is the uh, sibling of the betting show, mm. the written sibling of the betting show. Uh, and this week, The Long Shot column and The Long Shot tip was provided by Nick Goff, Many of you would have know uh, will know Goffey from Twitter. He's a professional punter. Uh, he's a great friend of the pod and filled in for us last season when uh, both of us were away for a period. Um, so if you listened last year, you know the sort of thing that Goffey provides when talking about football betting. Um, so do check out his column on the long shot. Go to thelongshot.substack. The longshot onesubstackcom or you can go to entity20.com and then click on the little heading called The Long Shot. My glamorous assistant, George Alec, there saving me. Um, do go and check that out. Uh, so, 
in August, I've been telling you about Betfair's completely free hacker on football every yes. weekend. You might have thought to yourself, well, that probably ends because this weekend is famously the first in September. No. But in, in Wolf of Wall Street fashion, the show goes on. Uh, it continues into September, I'm pleased to say. Claim your free Acker on football via the promotions page. You have to claim it first. Build a multiple or bet builder and the free bet will be, be, be there in your bet slip. The max free bet varies from one to five pounds per customer and the minimum combined odds 1.5. So read the T's and C's for all the details and make sure you claim it via the promotions page. Um, but the show goes on with Betfair's free Acker on football. Now for our own BTTS Acker, the sixfold. Come on. Right, I've got three games from League Two, which I'm not sure whether that is good or bad. That's great. High-scoring division. It has been this season, crucially. League One, as Goffey said, in the long shot, been falling away compared to the, to, compared to the others. Uh, Notts County, Atkinson's the first one. I've kind of already, already done the spiel about this one. Um, Notts County aside, who you know commit a lot of men forward at home, especially their home games are, are very, very um, high-scoring. Accrington kept one clean sheet this season. That came against Newport on opening day. But they conceded not. Well, sorry, they conceded 1.6 expected goals that day. So, end to end, Accrington games, Notts County at home, very simple one to, to stick in there. Newport County against Wimbledon is my next one. Um, these two teams ranked third and sixth for expected goals for according to Opta this season. Both massively uh, outperforming preseason expectations. I would say uh, Dons have kept a clean sheet in all three of their away games so far, wow. which is quite fun. That's going to end, I think, um, because Newport have scored seven goals in their two home games thus far. Um, Reflects very well on you as a, as an honest, good-faith broadcaster that you would even say that when selecting well, this game for a BTTS, it, yes. I, I think it might be a reason why the, the price is, is quite appealing um, because, you know, anyway, we, we shall see. Um, but yeah, Newport scored seven in two games. I think going forward, they look like a, a very, very strong force uh, at times this season. But Don's... Also, you know, Boyd after a decent showing at Stanford Bridge in the week. Um, I, I anticipate we'll have the, the tools about them to score. It's interesting that they've been rejecting bids left, right and central for Ali Alhamidi in the last couple of days, seemingly. Uh, James Tilly in really good form. Alhamidi is going to score soon. Um, he's another one to keep an eye on, I, get, I think, for the goal-scoring markets. But this should be a high-scoring affair. And finally, it's back to the Crawley Townwell. Come on. Um, Crawley let us down for this last week with a 6-0 defeat. But they had... And expected goals of 1.77 at, at, at Swindon. Had 15 shots. Danny Orsi, as we said, missed an absolute sitter early on at 0-0. Um, Stockport have not been at their best this season. They come off the back of a game at Mansfield. They lost 3-2. They conceded 28 shots in that game. Um, but they are... A, Don't judge them against that, mate. Mansfield, a very good. the best attacking team League Two's ever seen. Well, but Stockport haven't been at their best, undeniably. They've only won one game. They've kept one clean sheet. Corey Adai in my mind, is a bit of a problem for, for Crawley. Uh, he's not started the season particularly well. You look at like the Jake Young opener in that 6-0 defeat where he's just beaten at his near post from like six yards. Um, they've tried to replace him a lot over the last year or so, but the players they bring in generally to do so get injured. Um, yeah, I think Stockport should have enough to get past Crawley here, but I think Crawley are definitely a good enough attacking side to cause them issues. So those are my three. Leicester Hull is our only leg that isn't in League 2, 8-11 uh, to 11, uh, as we record. Leicester, obviously, heavy favourites to beat Hull at home here. I'm sure if you've listened to the Monday show, you'd probably know that George and I are, are still interested in, in opposing Leicester in, in a few ways, and I do think Hull can uh, 
create big chances against them, just like most of their opposition have so far, particularly on the break where they do leave themselves very exposed because of the amount of bodies that they commit forward. Um, uh, Winks isn't the most mobile defensive midfielder, so I don't think he's incredible when it comes to defending transitions. Uh, and in Liam Delap, Hull have a, a striker that should cause problems on the break, uh, as he has done uh, quite, a, quite a lot this season. Obviously, we expect Leicester to score because they do have uh, some attacking firepower. They've scored two goals in five of their six games in all comps. Uh, in particular, Mavadidi looks exceptionally dangerous on the left wing. So BTTS in Leicester and Hull. Uh, you've gone back to the Crawley well. I've gone back to the Swindon well. Uh, BTTS, yes, Doncaster, Swindon, four to six here. One look at Swindon's results tells you what you need to know about them as a BTTS contender. 2-2, two, 2-1, two, two, 5-5, five, five, Six nil, a six nil win where they gave up one point two five xg. One point seven seven according to Opta. Okay, one point seven seven according to Opta. There you go. I don't know what source you're using. <laughs> uh, they're attacking with great quality at the moment, Swindon. Uh, Kemp and Young in particular, but they've got Charlie Austin waiting to start scoring goals. Um, they're a good team, Donny. Yeah, it took a while to find their feet going forward, didn't score in their first two league games, but since then, things have loosened up a bit and they've scored in their last four, even notched against Everton, Premier League opposition uh, in midweek. They do have the individual quality to hurt a Swindon team that's pretty vulnerable. And then Mansfield-Bradford, 20-23. to 23, I've just said Mansfield are the greatest uh, League Two team of all time going forward, and that is uh, said with tongue-in-cheek, and yet the numbers would suggest that they're not far off. Um, you know, even scoring three against Stockport is a pretty good measure of a very good attacking team. They're at home. They're a potent attacking force. I expect them to score, but they are undeniably vulnerable at the back. They were 2-1 down after 25 minutes in that game against Stockport, and they they do not look convincing at the back. So Bradford, even though Andy Cook hasn't scored yet, he's the league's top scorer from last season. He's getting chances. At some point, he will score. Patterson's been doing well from midfield. I think Bradford can notch here. So the sixfold is in the championship, Leicester Hull, and then five from League Two, Newport Wimbledon, Notts County Accrington, Mansfield Bradford, Stockport Crawley, and Doncaster Swindon. Uh, shorter price than the previous few weeks. It's just under 30 to one. So please, can you recap your selections for both for my sake and also the sake of the listeners? Yeah, Sunderland draw no better six to five at home to Saints is my nap. Lee to score over two and a half goals. That's just Leeds at fifteen to eight at home to Sheffield Wednesday is my next best. Josh Andrews to score any time for Accrington as they travel to Notts County at sixteen to five is my goal scorer. Stefan Negru, anytime, nineteen to one for Oxford at home to Port Vale. And then my BTCS picks. Wrexham, my nap. Eleven to ten away at Tranmere. Uh, next best Barrow nine to five away at Harrogate. My goal scorer Elliot Lee of Wrexham sixteen to five four point two with Betfair Sportsbook and my long shot is I suddenly said Richie Benno Jacob Badeau Badeau Jacob Badeau sixty to one half a point each way with the Sportsbook and the BTTS Acker Leicester Hull Doncaster Swindon Mansfield Bradford at Newport Wimbledon Notts County Accrington and Stockport Crawley, 29.5. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can watch the NTT20 betting show if you want a visual start to your weekend. <laughs> it's on the Betfair YouTube channel. And if you search NTT20 betting show, Betfair on YouTube, you can find it. You can see the nice cream jacket that I decided to wear today. And the fact that I forgot to take my lanyard off for recording. Lanyard. So, professional to the end. Lanyard. Thanks for listening. Go well.